sower, which is uh, one of the most famous and well-known parables and um, in space in the Synoptic Gospels. It's in all of them, and it's given a lot of space. In fact, uh, Matthew gives the story and the explanation 23 verses. You'll find that Mark actually gives this story in its, de- in its uh, uh, clarification 25 verses, and then Luke, is he's a doctor, so he's concise, and you probably couldn't read his signature at the end of it, but uh, he, is, uh, he only gives it 15 verses, but still just a, a disproportionate amount of space for this story and its explanation, and, and so it is obviously important. In fact, Jesus gives the intention and, and the, the, the idea that it is this story that helps us understand the other stories, and so uh, let's look at it. Matthew 13. Verses 3 through 9, this is the actual story, and then we'll skip down and read Jesus' interpretation of the story in a moment. This is what it says, starting verse 3. Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them uh, ate them up. Others fell in on the rocky places uh, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came, and they choked them out. Others fell on good soil and actually yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. And then uh, if you skip down to verse 18, this is Jesus describing uh, what that means and, and giving his own interpretation of what he just What he just said. And so this is what it says, starting verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, uh, what has been sown in his heart. Uh, This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown uh, on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. When affliction or persecution arises, because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, and indeed bears fruit and begins and brings it forth, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So let's, uh, let's talk about this. The, uh, the three main items or themes in the story are the seed, the sower, and the soil. And so Jesus clarifies what those three things are. And so we, we get an idea that the seed is, in fact, the gospel. So this is the word of God. This is the good news of Jesus. This is the gospel. So the seed is the gospel. And the sower is anyone who shares the gospel. And so uh, it's not specific to anyone. I know a lot of people say, well, well, God's the sower because he sowed the seed of Jesus. Yes, that is absolutely true. But but the way that Jesus is describing this actually encompasses anyone who's actually sowing the gospel, the good news of Jesus. The soil is the heart of the hearer of the gospel. So the recipient, the the heart of the person who hears the gospel uh, I want to read another couple verses to you uh, in Colossians, and uh, and this to me uh, more so than ever. Reading this this week, 
um, give some clarity and, and some understanding to what Jesus is saying. So this is Colossians chapter three, or I'm sorry, chapter one, verses three through six. Uh, this is what it says. We give thanks to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of this hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world. Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. The truth, the gospel, and, uh, and, and this is bearing fruit. The Bible says here in Colossians, the, the gospel itself is constantly bearing fruit. That itself, the seed of that in that person is constantly bearing fruit. Now, the word truth is used two different ways here. Um, the first way is the truth, the gospel, the good news. It, it speaks to Christ. He is the word. It became flesh. He is the good news of the finished work of God uh, on our behalf. And so this is the gospel, the truth. But then he goes on to say, uh, understood the go- the, that gospel, that truth, in truth. And what that means is uh, the lights came on. There was a revelation. You understood the grace of God in truth, in reality. It's connected. Uh, the lights have come on. There's a revelation And you have been given understanding that can only be given by God. God cannot be seen unless God reveals himself to that person. God could not be understood unless there is revelation given from God himself to see and understand and have that revelation of who he is. And so that's what's happening. It's a spiritual understanding that is being talked about. Not... Not mental ascent, not connecting the dots, not being clever. In fact, the, uh, the people that are asking Jesus, why are you using cryptic messages to present the most important message that humanity's ever heard? The, person, the people asking that question were his disciples, who uh, he says to them, you already know, you already have all the knowledge, you have all the understanding, you have something that no one else has. In fact, people from long ago, prophets, would love to have the perspective and the understanding that you have. And they're asking, what are you talking about? What do they have? Do they have a degree? Do they have success? Do they have, uh, were they ministers? Efficient? And uh, they were, were they... Um, out there spreading the good news of the gospel? No, they were just average, everyday, normal Joes. They were just fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were, they were just people. So they didn't come with a lot of understanding. They didn't come predisposed to this, this insider language. They just were, they were with Jesus. What they had that other people didn't have that they wished they had was the person of Christ. And so the understanding that's being talked about here, that in understanding and truth, is a spiritual understanding. Dare I say, a spiritual awakening. We are made awake and aware of who God is and what he's all about. So Jesus, this is exactly, this, this description in Colossians is exactly what Jesus is addressing 
with these descriptions of the different types of soil. For some soil, the lights come on. He calls it good soil. They get it. And it comes to life within them. And then it starts doing its work. That seed starts bearing its way into that good soil. And that soil starts producing fruit. The good fruit. But some of the seed falls upon soil that doesn't get it. The lights do not come on. Uh, there's not an understanding. And, and I want to kind of walk through these three other types of soil real quick. And uh, we're not going to... Uh, so many messages about the parable of the sower focus in on the soil. And that's the entire uh, focus. But for us, we're, we're going to get past it. We're going to talk about actually what we're going to talk about today. So you've got some seed that's sown and, and it, it's just thrown out. It's just tossed. And it, some hits the side of the road. And, and so that side of the road is uh, well-traveled. It's packed down. It's compressed. And so that soil would be hard soil. It's compacted. It's tough. Uh, it, there's not seeds that are working its way through that because it's like concrete. And so uh, that is a person, as Jesus describes it, who hears the word but doesn't understand. And so uh, in, in the actual story, birds, they, they, they come, they, they steal the seed away, and they carry it off. And that would be the evil one, the, the enemy, the devil, takes what's potential and removes it. Basically because the soil's hard, which means the heart is hard. You've got a hard heart. And then other seeds falling on rocky places, that would be soil as described by Christ that would be shallow. So shallow soil. Uh, and he says that's a person who hears it and receives it with joy. That sounds awesome. Sign me up. But that person doesn't have a firm root within themselves. So uh, that person quickly loses interest or moves past, moves beyond. They, uh, the Bible says here that they, they fall away because of affliction, persecution. So when the going gets tough, they get going. So no depth of soil. So that'd be shallow, uh, uh, an inability to remain or commit. Uh, that is someone who just can't stay with it, can't remain but they get it. They're excited. I've, I've, I've been in church my whole life and I've known a lot of these who, and, and I, I started using this phrase and I've heard it more widely used uh, over the last several years, but people get over saved. <laughs> they, they meet Jesus and they're just like, they're like a puppy waiting to be let out of a car. They're just wagging. They're just happy. They're overexcited. Uh, the world is new. Uh, things smell better, look better, they're brighter, more vibrant, they're excited, they're talking about Jesus all the time, and then you give it 10 minutes and they're just back to the old ways of life. It happens. And then there's this uh, thorny area that, that seed is sown into or falls into, and it's amongst thorns, and that soil would be, I would say, obstructed, obstructed soil. And uh, the way that Jesus puts it is uh, it, it sprouts up, it happens, but, but then the worry of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the, the seed out. They choke the word out and it becomes 
unfruitful. So uh, it's like everything has everything going for it, but, but there's so much mentally that is taking away from God doing his work. Uh, deceitfulness of wealth, that means uh, that we can provide for ourselves and make ourselves happy. That if I just had a little bit more, then life would be good. In fact, thorns represent work in the Bible. And so I think a lot of this comparison has to do with us relying on and leaning into our own work. And if I just work a little harder, if I just do a little bit more, if I just get a little bit more. But it, Jesus says de- deceitfulness of wealth because it's lying to you. Wealth promises what it can't deliver. If you just had more, you'd be happy. That's a lie. It's not true. And the worry of the world, just being captivated and and obsessed with what's happening and living fearful. I'm I'm discouraged by the younger generation and the, the fear and anxiety and stress levels that they're having to endure. And that's not their fault. That's our fault. And I own it. And so when all we talk about is the sky is falling, of course they're going to be stressed. It's not fair to them, but that's the world that they're coming up in is that we're just we're piling on them the worries of the world. It's a place of hopelessness. Then there's good soil. And that's a person who hears the word, understands it, they get it, it bears fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. I think it's healthy and good to take time to consider what kind of soil am I? I I think it's a healthy, mature thing to do to consider whether or not we're good soil. I think that's good. In the 30, 60, 100-fold, even if we are good soil, maybe... I'm bearing 30-fold, and I would really like to move into the 60-fold category or even the 100-fold category. There's some pruning that happens that Jesus talks about that, that, that helps that uh, advance and grow. And there's some cultivation that needs to happen in our hearts if we're not bearing fruit. But I, I think that's a great temperature check. You know, the book of James says, faith without works is dead. I, 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 there's a correspondence here that the fruitfulness of faith is good works. And, and when we're talking about being fruitful, we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We're talking about these qualities that, that reflect Christ, but also benefit others. Patience is, is a good thing for me, but it's a great thing for the people around me. Kindness is a good thing for me, but it's a great thing for the people around me. It actually is the benefit of the others around me in this world that I'm in, that that these qualities show up. And so temperature check would be, am I bearing fruit? The answer would be not, I I need to work harder. It's, I need, I need cultivation. I need God to do what only God can do. And I want to read this verse to you. This is in Ezekiel, going back to the OT, the prophet Ezekiel said this, uh, and this is part of God's promise of restoration for his people uh, Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, I will give them one heart, bringing them together in Christ's heart, uh, being our collective, and put a new spirit within them. I'll take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. He'll make our hard hearts 
soft and sensitive and, and receptive to him. He'll give us his heart. So a, uh, a beautiful thing that happens as we come to know Christ, he gives us new life. We are resurrected to new life. He also gives us a new heart. He gives us his heart. And so no longer is it our default function to sin. The most natural thing for us to do is not sin because we're new creations in Christ. The most natural thing for us to do is to bring glory to God. That's who and what we are. And so not only does he give us a new life, but he gives us a new heart. It's a soil transplant as much as it is a heart transplant. I don't want to get all into the weeds here, uh, pun intended here, <laughs> weeds, parable of the sower. Uh, so, but there is a, a, a beautiful picture of, of the, the, even the word Adam. Adam comes from the word Adamah, which means soil. Jesus is the new Adam. It's a soil transplant. No longer are we living out of the flesh. We're living from the spirit, connected to the source of life. And so um, that's beautiful. I don't want to get into all that. I know all, most of the focus and attention goes to the soil. And like I said, it's important and, and good to do a little kind of um, self-evaluation to see where we are in terms of receptivity and, and fruitfulness. Maybe we're being a little shallow. Maybe we're being a little superficial. Maybe we're living on the surface to go deeper and understand really what matters, what truly matters in this life. If, if all of our time and attention and resources are going to things that just are temporal and, and don't really mean anything, we're not investing in what actually matters. Yeah, that's a good thing to be aware of and to ask God to cultivate. But what I'd like to do in our, the time remaining is shift our attention from the quality of the soil to the indiscriminate nature of the sower. How careless and irresponsible the sower is. Because they're just chucking seed everywhere. There is no, there's no, like, there's no sense of being careful and meticulous. It's not like we're trying to, we just, we kind of have our little garden. We're making sure that our little cabbage seeds go in the cabbage section. And then our, 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 our tomato seeds go in the tomato section. This person is just throwing it like eyes closed, just like, it's like if you ask your kid to go plant seed, this is how they would do it. They take all the seeds, just throw it out there. And it's falling on. The road, it's fallen in the rocks, it's everywhere. It's, it, it seems careless. And it seems like that person is just wasting seed without any sort of reservation. And truthfully, only one-fourth of the soil that it's hitting is good. 25% of that seed is hitting decent soil. That's it. That's not a great success rate. of the seed is hitting soil that's not going to work. Uh, I want to look at Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. We're going to read from a couple prophets today. This is Isaiah 55. And, uh, of course, the great prophet Isaiah spoke a lot about the coming Savior and and laid a lot of the groundwork that, that... Jesus referred to. In fact, we just read that he referred to Isaiah last week uh, in his conversation about 
why parables. So this is Isaiah 55. We're just going to read a few verses here and talk about it as we begin to wrap up. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and the Lord will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, they don't return without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout, furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater bee which goes forth from my mouth and will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace, and the mountains and the hills will break forth in shouts of joy before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. And instead of the nettle, which are little spiky, prickly uh, weeds, uh, the myrtle, which is beautiful, will come up. And it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign, which he will not be which will not be cut off. There is a picture in Jesus' parable of the sower, certainly of the quality of the soil that receives the seed, but it's an encouragement to just sow the seed, to just go wild in getting it out there. And then what he's encouraging and what we even see a picture of in here in Isaiah 55 is, I'll take care of it. I'll do the work. I'll do the rest. I'm just asking you to, to, to share it. That's all I'm doing. So the Bible says that, hey, listen, rain's going to fall. Uh, it, it's not going to return. It, it, it's not going to fall without watering things. And this is the famous statement that that God's word never returns void. The seed is not going to return void. It's going to do the work that God wants it to do. But this unlimited God with unlimited seed chooses to limit himself through very limited vessels. A perfect, sinless God chooses to work in this world through sinful, broken people. So the unlimited God chooses to limit himself through people in what he asks us to do, even, as, even our own limitations, is just share what he gives. He provides seed for the sower, but he also provides bread. And so the bread is for me. That's my gospel. That's, that's communion. That's the fellowship of the believers. That's, that's us together as the family of faith. We enjoy, we, we consume. He's the bread of life. Jesus was laid in a feeding trough in in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. He is the gospel. We come together. We have communion every week to celebrate his body that was broken. We, we, We take the bread of life. We consume it. That's for us. But he also provides seed for the sower. That's for everybody else. He gives us the seed to sow so that other people can taste and see that he is good. But we tend to discriminate. We pick our spots. We're very careful. 
We don't, we, we don't want to talk about God with people who don't believe in God. So we start editing ourselves. We start being very cautious and careful with the seed. To me, a lot of this goes back to even the, the, the parable of the talents. We, we take what we have and we bury it because we don't want to waste it. And here's God saying, I just, just throw it. Don't let me worry about the hearts it's hitting. I'll take care of that. So we think, okay, it hit the road. Look, I'm watching birds pick it up, God. Wasteful. Well, I don't know if you understand this philosophy or if you had it on your windshield. Birds poop. Birds eat the seed, but then they poop them out. And sometimes that's actually better. We have no idea what God's doing. We have no idea the cultivation. Why am I here? Why are you here? Some seed along the way was planted. And here we are. There's several more parables throughout this chapter. I want to highlight two of them. And they, they tend to be very dramatic and scary, but they actually coincide beautifully with what we're talking about. There's one parable about the wheat and the tares, where Jesus tells a story of a, a, a wheat field that someone's also sown weeds in them. These, these weeds that actually don't belong there that might look like wheat to a certain point, but then they, they grow fully and you're like, that's not wheat. It's wasting soil. It's taking nutrients from the, from the weed. It's bad. And in Jesus' description, this is another one of those rare parables where he actually gives his interpretation. He gives the, the behind-the-scenes director's commentary, and he says, this is what I'm talking about. And he says, listen... God's sowing seed, but so is the devil. And he's saying they're growing together, they're intertwined in this world. The field is the world, the ground is the world. And we're getting like, wait, should we, should we get rid of this kind and, and this? And he's like, I'll sort it out. He says, I will, I, will, I will harvest it, I'll separate it, I'll burn what's from the enemy, and I will, I will obviously harvest what is from God. All sorted out. And then there's uh, another parable that he gives about fishing. It's called the parable of the dragnet. Just the facts, ma'am. And uh, <laughs> anybody old enough to know? Drag? Okay, nobody. Uh, I got it. It's okay. I had Nick at night. Um, so parable of the dragnet. So the parable is you're going to pull in, just pull in all the fish. Uh, don't worry about getting careful and saying, I, I only want to pull in the good fish. I don't want to pull in the bad fish. Just pull it all in. I'll sort it out later. We are called to be the sower of the seed to an indiscriminate, a careless degree where anyone and everyone can experience who God is. We had an event here a couple weeks ago that was put on by Adobe, who makes Photoshop and Illustrator and all that stuff. It's a software company. And uh, they travel, they're travel. they traveling around the country right now and into Canada, 
and they put on these demonstrations uh, where they're kind of showing new software, new technology, and they usually have someone here to kind of demonstrate the, the technology who uh, is local. And they had a local person uh, just from, 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 moved up here from North Georgia, lives in Chattanooga now. She was great, did a great job. And her title with the company is, she is an Adobe evangelist. That is their title that they use. So uh, she was introduced to me as, this is one of our evangelists. I was like, you'll be preaching today. And they evangelize software. And I, I, I was here during the event. I went back there and ate chicken wings. Don't judge me. And um, in the back. And, and I, was, I, I could not get over that title. And I was thinking about it. I was like, that's silly. That's sacrilegious. I don't like that. But then I was like, no, it's right. It's right. And it made me understand that we all, we're all evangelists. We all evangelize something. We, we evangelize our favorite restaurants. We become that restaurant's evangelist. A great movie. Have you guys ever seen Casablanca? I will evangelize Casablanca until I go home to be with Jesus. You got to try it. I will, I will evangelize all kinds of things. We all do. We evangelize our sports team. We evangelize our music, our bands. We evangelize tons of things. We're always spreading the message about the things that we believe in and that we love. But the one thing that matters, the one thing that saves us, be careful. Be careful where you share that. I believe that the parable of the sower is encouragement to be careless. Not to care less, but be care less because we care so much. To become true evangelists. It's interesting that he begins the parables with this story in the same way that he ends the book of Matthew with the great, the great commission. This is all connected. This is all go into the world, make disciples, preach the good news, share the gospel. Now, that thought paralyzes us. Me saying that is making people lock up. Please don't pass out. Don't lock your knees. Bear with me. What we've been... The, the version of evangelists that's been presented to us is false advertising. In fact, even that word evangelist has become like we, we, we almost think of tele-evangelist. We almost think of a, a proselytizer who's involved in prostitution. <laughs> um, one who is judgmental, who is ridiculous. I, I grew up hearing this, hearing this phrase, don't be so heavily minded that you're no earthly good. And so some people uh, think of evangelists as being the guy at the street corner who's yelling, you're going to go to hell, turn or burn, get right or get left. That is not at all the picture that Jesus describes throughout his ministry. Or the picture that he demonstrates 
throughout his ministry. So much of what he did, he'd heal someone, show them love, compassion, and say, don't even talk about it. That's for you. Present is being alert, it's being attentive, and let me tell you what it looks like in, in terms of definition and description. The fruits of the Spirit. Being loving, being joyful, being peaceful, being kind, being patient. All these qualities that reflect Christ that aren't... You, you wouldn't read this list to a stranger and have them say, I'm not a, I'm not a Christian. Don't talk to me about kindness. These are just human qualities that we all crave. In fact, there's a drought right now. There's a, there's a drought of these qualities in this earth. To stop and show kindness now, to, to be alert to someone's position where they are, the, the fact they need help, and to step in, I mean, it, it, the, the value of that has gone through the roof. The supply and demand law is, is true. And it, these things, these fruits are in such low supply, they're in really high demand. But to look for opportunities just to share. Just to share what, look what the Lord has done. And it doesn't have to be preachy. It doesn't have to be overt. In fact, I'd say the best conversations, the best stories aren't. They're just real. I got one more verse. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. We have this treasure. We have this treasure. It's in earthen vessels, humble containers, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. I love this verse. But I need to know this verse and, and speak this verse and read this verse more often than I do. Because I'll tell you what I forget. I remember the earthen vessel because I know how flawed and jacked up I am. Because I live with me. But I forget that I have a treasure. I forget, man. I forget that I carry something that is so valuable. I, I think about this. I, knowing what I know how good God is and how he has rescued me, how he has saved me. What if I didn't know and the person that I'm with did and did not share that with me? Is that love? I have a treasure. I, I want to share it. I don't want to hoard this. I don't want to just... To be fat and happy and just make, take care of number one and just, I'm good. Everybody else can fend for themselves. That's not me. But I think sometimes we get so fixated on the vessel. We get really obsessive about the quality and the appearance of the vessel. I'm not worthy. I don't know everything. I'm not qualified. If they ask me a question, I don't have the answer. If they push back, am I ready for that? <laughs> what if, what if this, and they end the relationship? 
So we start talking, thinking about the superficiality of, of the vessel as opposed to obsessing. But, but you've got treasure, though. <laughs> you've got a treasure. I didn't plan this, but this is what's in my heart right now. The first miracle of Jesus is a picture of this. Is it, it, Jesus at a wedding, and the, the booze runs out, and mom comes to Jesus, honey, they're at a booth. Uh, do I look like a bartender? What do you, the son of God? I'm not the beverage store. And uh, she's, she's, she ignores Jesus. She completely overlooks what he says. He's like, it's not my time. I'm not doing anything. And then she, she turns around and she, listen to him. He's going to do something. Mom. So what is it? He said, okay, okay, okay. Bring me six vessels. Six represents the number. It's a number representing man. Humanity. Bring me six vessels. He doesn't say, bring me the best ones, the polished ones, the, the ones without cracks. He doesn't say, don't bring me the, the messed up, ugly vessels. He just says, bring them to me. Just the vessels, all of them. Six, I need six. Fills them with ceremonial water that is for cleansing, the clean stuff. And so he fills us with the water of the word, the gospel. The bread eat, this is... This is the, the gospel. And then that gospel transforms on the inside of us. Faith converts to love. The water of the word brings us to understanding, to faith, to believing. We hear and believe. And that the Bible says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through, through love. There's a, there's a conversion. Something that we need turns into something the world needs. It's good. To the point where they, they said, what, why did you save the good stuff to the end? This is the good stuff. This is the good wine. And it's poured out for the people around. Even Jesus' first miracle has some correlation to Jesus' first parable. And this is, painting, this is painting a picture of who and what we are. We're vessels for God to love and live through. And as we believe, as we hear, we begin to love, look, and live like Jesus more and more and more. And, and the more we do that, the more we share the fruit that's on the, the limbs of our life so people can taste and see that he is good. This is a complicated world. This is an impossibly complicated world. And we carry the treasure of a very simple message. That the message is the one who made you loves you enough to die for you. That's the message. And if we get scared and in our heads about all the intricacies and all the minutiae, well, my post trip or pre trip, and I, listen, God knows. Uh, there's a uh, wonderful worship leader who, uh, who passed away and he, uh, he had this statement. He said, God gave us the scriptures to show us that he's right and the rest of us are just guessing. 
We don't, we don't know even what we think we know we don't know. All we know is what God shows us. And what God has shown me is that he loves me enough to die for me. This world needs, it's a complicated world, this world needs a simple message. And it needs simple, humble messengers. There's a lot of vessels out there that are trying to polish up and paint and get sparkly and and actually become gold containers. The wine spoils in the gold container. It needs humble vessels, as the, the scripture says, so that we know this is from God, not from me. So, Here's my encouragement. Casually, in our everyday life, let's be indiscriminate, even careless, about the good seed, the treasure that we carry. Just to share it. And it doesn't have to be a a rehearsed message. Just being interested in a person's life. I had a conversation with someone that came in a couple days ago, who work at a local school, and the, the school's doing several events with us. And she came by, and it was just a drop-off, kind of real quick thing, turned into an hour-long conversation. I heard her entire life story, and I just listened. And she said, she kept apologizing. I'm sorry I'm talking too long. I said, no, I love this. I love this. And at the very end of it, I, I, I was in, able to encourage her and bring faith into it and, and tell her that God loves her. I prayed with her. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Ministry is not relegated to Sunday morning church. In fact, Jesus rent the veil to unleash ministry on the world. Hope, meaning, purpose, grace, love, kindness, the fruits of the Spirit, unleashed on the presence of God, unleashed on his people. As the veil is rent, and we are ambassadors of his presence. We carry this treasure in earthen, flawed, cracked, messed up containers. But only the most humble of containers will do because how good this treasure is that we carry. So may we realize how valuable this treasure is. And then may we be compelled, moved by compassion and love and kindness to share this with the people around us.